Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 o'clock a.m. Eastern. And today we continue our reading in the Manual for Teachers with Section 27, What is Death? And 28, What is the Resurrection? We're also mindful of our lesson today, Lesson 363, which, like all of our five final lessons, is this. This holy instant would I give to you, be you in charge, for I would follow you, certain that your direction gives me peace. And by way of opening this morning, um, I was led to a little bit of um, the writings of Julian and Norwich in her book, The Showings. She writes that the spiritual life relies not on sheer willpower or intellectual rigor, but on surrender to the gift of God's love to which we respond in kind. Do you wish to know your Lord's meaning in this thing? Now it will. Love was his meaning. Who reveals it to you? Love. What did he reveal to you? Love. Why did he reveal it to you? For love. Remain in this and you will know more of the same. The spiritual life does not exist apart from this encounter with divine love himself because love beckons, transforms, redeems, repairs, love himself challenges, seeks, and dwells in our midst. We remain in him, and he remains in us. We surrender to his love. All shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. For there is a force of love moving through the universe that holds us fast and will never let us go. Amen. Amen. That was so lovely. Amen. Thank you. Yes, it was. Thank you, oh, thank you Julian. Thank you, Lori. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I didn't, um, I couldn't think of a better answer to what is death this morning. And so, Here's our reading list. We have Jessica, Donna, and Lana. We're joined in listening this morning by Ida, Judy, and Harrison. Who else has joined us would like to be on the reading list or say good morning? Good morning, Charles is here. Good morning, it's Robin Marie, and I can read. Gloria, are you on mute, honey? 
I am having trouble no. hearing, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, can, can you hear me now? It looks like you can hear me. Um, yeah, can you hear yeah. me? And now I hear you. Hi, hi Robin Marie. Okay, I was, I was being too soft. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Thank you. Do you want to read him? Yes, please. Oh, Thanks. great. Thank you. Good morning, Charles I, here. Good morning, Charles. Thank you. I'll put you down to read. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Good morning, Lori. Good morning. Good morning, Diana. Hi. All righty. Okay. And um, I see Lemoyne is here. Yeah, I will, I will read if you like. Sure. All righty, great, thank you. Okay. All righty, well, so we'll start with section 27 in the Manual for Teachers. What is death? Death is the central dream from which all illusions stem. Is it not madness to think of life as being born, aging, losing vitality, and dying in the end? We have asked this question before, but now we need to consider it still more carefully. It is the one fixed, unchangeable belief of the world that all things in it are born only to die. This is regarded as the so-called way of nature, not to be raised to question, but to be accepted as the so-called natural law of life. The cyclical changing and unsure the undependable and the unsteady, waxing and waning in a certain way upon a certain path, all this is taken as the will of God, and no one asks if a benign creator could will this. Jessica. Thank you, Lori. <clears throat> death is the sense... Oh, uh, the title is, What is Death? Death is the central dream from which all illusions stem. Is it not madness to think of life as being born, aging, losing vitality, and dying in the end? We have asked this question before, but now we need to consider it still more carefully. It is the one fixed, unchangeable belief of the world that all things in it are born only to die. This is regarded as the quote, as quote, the way of nature, not to be raised to question, but to be accepted as the quote, natural law of life. The cyclical, the changing and unsure, the undependable and the unsteady, waxing and waning in a certain way upon a certain path, all this is taken as the will of God. And no one asks if a benign creator could, creator would, could will this. Two, in this perception of the universe as God created it, it would not be possible to think of him as loving. For who has decreed that all things pass away, ending in dust and disappointment and despair, could but be feared. 
He holds your little life in his hand, but by a thread, ready to break it off without regret or care, perhaps today. Or if he waits, yet is the ending certain. Who loves such a God knows not of love because he has denied that life is real. Death has become life's symbol. His world is now a battleground where contradiction reigns and opposites make endless war. Where there is death is peace impossible. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Two. In this perception of the universe, as God created it, it would not be possible to think of him as loving. For who has decreed that all things pass away, end in dust, and disappointment and despair could but be feared? He holds your little life in his hand, but by a thread, ready to break it off without regret or care, perhaps today. Or if he waits, yet is the ending certain. Who loves such a God knows not of love because he has denied that life is real. Death has become life's symbol. His world is now a battleground where contradiction reigns and opposites make endless war. Where there is death is peace. Where there is death is peace impossible. Three. Death is the symbol of the fear of God. His love is blotted out in the idea which holds it from awareness like a shield held held to obscure the sun. The grimness of the symbol is enough to show it cannot coexist with God. It holds an image of the Son of God in which he is laid to rest in devastation's arms where worms wait to greet him and to last a little while by his destruction. Yet the worms as well are doomed to be destroyed as certainly. And so do all things live because of death, devouring in nature's law of life. God is insane and fear alone is real. Thank you, Donna. And Lana. Three. Death is the symbol of the fear of God. His love is blotted out in the idea which holds it from awareness like a shield held to obscure the sun. The grimness of the symbol is enough to show it cannot coexist with God. It holds an image of the Son of God in which she is laid to rest in devastation's arms. <laughs> I'm sorry. Where worms wait to greet him and to last a little while by his destruction. Yet the worms as well are doomed to be destroyed as certainly. And so do all things live because of death. Devouring is nature's law of life. God is insane and fear alone is real. 
the curious belief that there is part of dying things. Let me read that again. The curious belief that there is part of dying things that may go on apart from what will die does not proclaim a loving God nor reestablish any grounds for trust. If death is real for anything, there is no life. Death denies life. But if there is reality in life, death is denied. No compromise in this is possible. There is either a God of fear or one of love. The world attempts a thousand compromises and will attempt a thousand more. Not one can be acceptable to God's teachers because not one could be acceptable to God. He did not make death because he did not make fear. Both are equally meaningless to him. Thank you, Lana. And Robin Marie. Four, the curious belief that there is a part of dying things that may go on apart from what will die does not proclaim a loving God nor reestablish any grounds for trust. If death is real for anything, there is no life. Death denies life, but if there is reality in life, death is denied. No compromise in this is possible. There is either a small God of fear or capital one of love. The world attempts a thousand compromises and will attempt a thousand more. Not one can be acceptable to God's teachers because not one could be acceptable to God. He did not make death because he did not make fear. Both are equally meaningless to him. Five, the quote, reality, unquote, of death is firmly rooted in the belief that God's son is a body. And if God created bodies, death would indeed be real. But God would not be loving. There is no no point at which the contrast between the perception... Thank you, Robin Marie. Oh, can you hear um, me? I'm a little confused. One second. Are you able to hear us? I was reading paragraph five. Well, I think she. Uh, may I ask Charles to read? Go ahead. I I can't sure. hear. So. Um, she she, oh, she was reading paragraph five. As you were. Okay. Yeah, let's just say. Carry on. Robin, Louie, finish five, and uh, finish five. Yeah. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear I can you now. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There is no point at which the contrast between the perception of the real world and that of the world of illusions becomes more sharply evident. Death is indeed the death of God if he is love. And now his own creation must stand in fear of him. He is not father, but destroyer. He is not creator, but avenger. Terrible his thoughts and fearful his image. To look on his creations is to die. Thank you, Robert Marie. 
And now Charles, please. Thank you. The reality, quote, unquote, of death is firmly rooted in the belief that God's son is a body. And if God created bodies, death would indeed be real. But God would not, but God would not be lo- loving. There is no point at which the contrast between perception of the real world and that of the world of illusions becomes more sharply evident. Death is indeed the death of God if he is love. And now his own creations must stand in fear of him. He is not father, but destroyer. He is not creator, but avenger. Terrible his thoughts and fearful his image. To look on his creations is to die. And the last to be overcome will be death. One sec. Yeah. And the last to, to be overcome will be death. Of course. Without the idea of death, there is no world. All dreams will end with this one. This is salvation's final goal. The end of all illusions. In death are all illusions born. What can be born of death and still have life? But what is born of God and still can die? The inconsistencies, the compromises, the rituals the world fosters in its vain attempts to cling to death. And yet to think love real are mindless magic, ineffectual and meaningless. God is, and in him all created things must be eternal. Do you not see that otherwise he has an opposite and fear would be as real as love? Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Charles and Lemoyne. Okay. And the last to be overcome will be death. Of course, (laughs) sorry, of course, without the idea of death, there is no world. All dreams will end with this one. This is salvation's final goal, the end of all illusions. And in death are all illusions born. What can be born of death and still have life? But what is born of God and still can die? The inconsistencies, the compromises, and the rituals the world fosters in its vain attempts to cling to death and yet to think love real are mindless magic, ineffectual, and meaningless. God is, and in him all created things must be eternal. Do you not see that otherwise he has an opposite and fear would be as real as love? 
teacher of God, your one assignment could be stated thus. Accept no compromise in which death plays a part. Do not believe in cruelty, nor let attack conceal the truth from you. What seems to die has but been misperceived and carried to illusion. Now it becomes your task to let the illusion be brought to truth. Be steadfast, but in this. Be not deceived by the reality of any changing form. Truth neither moves nor wavers nor sinks down to death and dissolution. And what is the end of death? Nothing but this. The realization that the Son of God is guiltless now and forever. Nothing but this. But do not let yourself forget it is not less than that. Thank you, Lemoyne. And is there a new reader for seven and then rolling right into the next section twenty eight? Okay. Got it, Lori. Okay, Harrison and Judy, please. All righty. Thank you. Teacher of God. Um, Harrison, did you want to go? Go ahead, Judy. Go ahead, Judy. I'll read that to you. Teacher of God, your one assignment could be stated thus. Accept no compromise in which death plays a part. Accept no compromise in which death plays a part. Do not believe in cruelty, nor let attack conceal the truth from you. What seems to die has but been misper and carried to illusion. Now, it becomes your task to let illusion be carried to the truth. Be steadfast, but in this. Be not deceived by the, quote, reality, unquote, of any changing form. Neither, excuse me, truth neither moves nor wavers nor sinks down to death and dissolution. And what is the end of death? Nothing but this. The realization that the Son of God is guiltless now and forever. Nothing but this. But do not let yourself forget. It is not less than this. What is the resurrection? Very simply, the resurrection is the overcoming or surmounting of death. It is a reawakening or rebirth, a change of mind about the meaning of the world. It is the acceptance of the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the world's purpose, the acceptance of atonement for oneself. It is the end of dreams of misery and the glad awareness of the Holy Spirit's final dream. It is the recognition of the gifts of God. It is the dream in which the body 
functions perfectly, having no function except communication. It is the lesson in which learning ends, for it is consummated and surpassed with this. It is the invitation to God to take his final step. It is the relinquishment of all other purposes, all other interests, all other wishes, and all other concerns. It is the single desire of the Son for the Father. It is the single desire of the Son for the Father. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. And then Harrison, please. What is the resurrection? Very simply, the resurrection is the overcoming or surmounting of death. It is a reawakening or a rebirth, a change of mind about the meaning of the world. It is the acceptance of the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the world's purpose, the acceptance of the atonement for oneself. It is the end of dreams of misery and the glad awareness of the Holy Spirit's final dream. It is the recognition of the gifts of God. It is the dream in which the body functions perfectly, having no function except communication. It is the lesson in which learning ends, for it is consummated and surpassed with this. It is the invitation to God to take his final step. It is the relinquishment of all other purposes, all other interests, all other wishes, and all other concerns. It is the single desire of the Son for the Father. Two, the resurrection is the denial of death, the, the assertion of life. Thus is all the thinking of the world reversed entirely. Life is now recognized as salvation and pain and misery of any kind perceived as hell. Nothing, excuse me, love is no longer feared, but gladly welcomed. Idols have disappeared, and the remembrance of God shines unimpeded across the world. Christ's face is seen in every living thing, and nothing is held in darkness apart from the light 
of forgiveness. There is no sorrow still upon earth. The joy of heaven has come upon it. Thank you, Harrison. And is there another new reader then for two and three? This is Sandra. I can read. Thanks, Sandra. Two, the resurrection is the denial of death, being the assertion of life. Thus is all the thinking of the world reversed entirely. Life is now recognized as salvation and pain and misery of any kind perceived as health. Love is no longer feared but gladly welcomed. Idols have disappeared and the remembrance of God shines unimpeded across the world. Christ's face is seen in every living thing and nothing is held in darkness apart from the light of forgiveness. There is no sorrow still upon the earth. The joy of heaven has come upon it. Three. Here the curriculum ends. From here on, no directions are needed. Vision is wholly corrected and all mistakes undone. Attack is meaningless and peace has come. The goal of the curriculum has been achieved. Thoughts turn to heaven and away from hell. All longings are satisfied for what remains unanswered or incomplete. The last illusion spreads over the world, forgiving all things and replacing all attack. The whole reversal is accomplished. Nothing is left to contradict the word of God. There is no opposition to the truth, and now the truth can come at last. How quickly will it come as it is asked to enter and envelop such a world? Thank you, Sandra. And is there another new reader for three and four? All right, back to you, Jessica. Thanks, Laurie. Three. Here the curriculum ends. From here on, no directions are needed. Vision is wholly corrected and all mistakes undone. Attack is meaningless and peace has come. The goal of the curriculum has been achieved. Thoughts turn to heaven and away from hell. All longings are satisfied. For what remains unanswered or incomplete? The last illusion spreads over the world forgiving all things and replacing all attack. The whole reversal is accomplished. Nothing is left to contradict the word of God. There is no opposition to the truth. And now the truth can come at last. How quickly will it come as it is asked to enter and envelop such a world? Four. All living hearts are tranquil. With a stir, 
of deep anticipation. For the time of everlasting things is now at hand. There is no death. The Son of God is free. And in his freedom is the end of fear. No hidden places now remain on earth to shelter sick illusions, dreams of fear, and misperceptions of the universe. All things are seen in light, and in the light their purpose is transformed and understood. And we, God's children, rise up from the dust and look upon our perfect sinlessness. The song of heaven sounds around the world as it is lifted up and brought to truth. Thank you, Jessica. And Donna. Four. All living hearts are tranquil with a stir deep with a stir of deep anticipation. For the time of everlasting things is now at hand. There is no death. The Son of God is free, and in his freedom is the end of fear. No hidden places now remain on earth to shelter sick illusions, dreams of fear, and misperceptions of the universe. All things are seen in light, and in the light their purpose is transformed and understood. And we, God's children, rise up from the dust and look upon our perfect sinlessness. The song of heaven sounds around the world as it, as it is lifted up and brought to truth. Five, now there are no distinctions. Differences have disappeared, and love looks on itself. What further sight is needed? What remains that vision could accomplish? We have seen the face of Christ, his sinlessness, his love behind all forms, beyond all purposes. Holy are we because his holiness has set us free indeed. And we accept his holiness as ours as it is. As God created us, so will we be forever and forever. And we wish for nothing but his will to be our own. Illusions of another will are lost, for unity of purpose has been found. Thank you, Donna. And Lena. Okay, five. Now there are no distinctions. Differences have disappeared, and love looks on itself. What further sight is needed? What remains that vision could accomplish? We have seen the face of Christ, his sinlessness, his love behind all forms, beyond all purposes. Holy are we because his holiness has set us free, indeed, and we accept his holiness as ours, as it is. As God created us, so will we be forever and forever. And we wish for nothing but his will to be our own. Illusions of another will are lost, for unity of purpose has been found. Six, 
These things await us all, but we are not prepared as yet to welcome them with joy, as long as any mind remains possessed of evil dreams. The thought of hell is real. God's teachers have the goal of waking the minds of those asleep and seeing there the vision of Christ's face to take the place of what they dream. The thought of murder is replaced with blessing. Judgment is laid by and given him whose function judgment is. And in his final judgment is restored the truth about the Holy Son of God. He is redeemed, for he has heard God's word and understood its meaning. He is free because he let God's voice proclaim the truth. And all he thought before to crucify are resurrected with him by his side as he prepares with them to meet his God. Gorgeous. Thank you, Lana. And Robin Marie. These things await us all, <clears throat> but we are not prepared as yet to welcome them with joy. As long as any mind remains possessed of evil dreams, the thought of hell is real. God's teachers have the goal of wakening the minds of those asleep and seeing there the vision of Christ's face to take the place of what they dreamed. The thought of murder is replaced with blessing. Judgment is laid by and given him whose function judgment is. And in his final judgment is restored the truth about the Holy Son of God. He is redeemed, for he has heard God's word and understood its meaning. He is free because he let God's voice proclaim the truth. And all he sought before to crucify are resurrected with him by his side as he prepares with them to meet his God. Thank you, Robin Marie, and thank you everyone who read this morning and everyone who listened. Um, and so now I need to ask if there's a volunteer that would like to lead our reflection this morning on our final lessons. This is Sandra. I can do it. Thank you, Sandra. Okay, our lesson is Lesson 361 through 365. This holy instant would I give to you. Be you in charge, or I would follow you, certain that your direction gives me peace. And I'll read a little from our final lessons. Our final lessons will be left as free of words as possible. We use them but at the beginning of our practicing and only to remind us that we seek to go beyond them. His is the only way to find the peace that God has given us. 
It is his way that everyone must travel in the end because it is, the, it is this ending God himself appointed. And to this purpose, let us dedicate our minds, directing all our thoughts to serve the function of salvation. It is his ending to the dream we seek, and not our own. For all that we forgive, we will not fail to recognize as part of God himself. He is the way, the truth, and the life that shows the way to us. In him resides salvation, offered us through our forgiveness given unto him. We come in honesty to him and say we did not understand and ask him to help us to learn his lessons through the voice of his own teacher. Would he hurt his son? Or would he rush to answer him and say, This is my son, and all I have is his. This holy instant would I give to you. Be you in charge, for I would follow you certain that your direction gives me peace. And if I need a word to help me, he will give it to me. If I need a thought, that he will also give. And if I need but stillness and a tranquil open mind, these are the gifts I will receive of him. He is in charge by my request, and he will hear and answer me because he speaks for God, my Father, and his Holy Son. Let's take a minute and reflect on this. This holy instant would I give to you. Be you in charge. For I would follow you, certain that your direction gives me peace. And so it is. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. This is Donna. I have so I wanna I've got five little things that popped out at me during the reading. And in uh, paragraph five, I suddenly understood why Jesus referred to the devil and in in the new scripture. I always per, was perplexed for some reason about that. Um uh, because he had to separate the idea of from God 
that God was the punisher. So I guess in the Old Testament, mainly, uh, God took credit for everything, quote, unquote. And then two, uh, number two is uh, in paragraph six, this is salvation's final goal, the end of illusions. So, and then it goes on to say there's no death equals no world. And then at the bottom of six, he, ha- he God, has no opposite. And fear would be as he, God, has an opposite. And fear would be as real as love. And, and that pointed out to me that there's no duality. And um, teacher of God, your one assignment could be thus, except no compromise in which death play a part. So everything not of God, quote, unquote, only seems to be. And four, resurrection means waking from the dream of being a martyr. <laughs> Apparently I've lived that one. And then <clears throat> and five is from paragraph six. He is free because he let God's voice proclaim the truth. Let. To let means we choose. It's a choice. I am complete and thank you for letting me. Amen. That was beautiful, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. This this is Sandra. Um, and this reading and the lesson is just asking me to give up all judgment. You know, I can't judge murder. I can't judge rape, violation, anything like that. I can't judge it. And that's just really hard for me not to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> But it's telling me that it's it's my perception of what I'm seeing, what the body's eyes is seeing. Because the body thinks that, you know, those things can lead to horrifying death and punishment. And, you know, the, the whole system is just asking me to take a huge leap. And I'm certainly willing because I want a way out of here. And and the bottom line is to forgive it all. It's a misperception. It's a misperception of suffering and torture and everything. It's uh, boy, this is asking a great deal of me. I'm willing. I'm going to hang in here. I'm going to stay. But the depths of judgment, even the most subtle judgment, is is <laughs> it's asking me to let go of all judgment in favor of going into the unknown because I don't have anything to replace it with. So I'm in the unknown here and I have to completely trust and rely on God and my relationship with God and my Holy Spirit, which is my higher mind. And this is, this is really asking you know, my higher mind to stretch 
stretch, stretch, stretch. Of course, my higher mind probably doesn't have to, but it's asking the ego to to just evaporate, and um, and it's it's a challenge. I'm complete. Thank you, thank Sandra. you, Sandra. Oh, thank you, Sandra. I love when you speak from your experience authentically. <laughs> Me too, and I feel the same way. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh, That's right, Ada. No, I was just loving the declaration. I'm going to hang in there. Amen. (laughs) Yeah. That was great. Thank you, Sandra. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. If I, this Uh is Charles, if I may. Um, Is it okay if I speak at the moment? Yeah. Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. I didn't. Um, one of the comforts that gives me comforts that I read here today, that there is no fear. There is only God's love. One of my greatest comforts so far of this day, my deepest comforts is the, the clothes I wear, the furniture I have, the walls around me, the trees I see, everything I see around me is an expression of consciousness. And as an expression of consciousness, there is only life. There is only expression. There is only that which I give it or its true meaning. What is its true meaning as an expression of comfort? It is a deep comfort to me to know uh, that consciousness has no beginning and no end to it in everything I survey. And I find comfort in that at the moment, knowing that expression always changes, but that which gives expression is always the same. And in that is an understanding that helps me to realize that we live in a world of perception which veils the world of the love that gives rise to the expression. Mind's purpose is to give expression. God's is to give the love to that expression. And in that, I don't see any opposite. I just see a continuation of life forever and forever. So, in my contemplations, this has given me my comfort. I thought I'd share this right now. Thank you. That was excellent. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you thank you, Charles. Oh, thank you, Charles. That was wonderful. Good morning, everyone. It's Lana. You know, I've been, and I really do consider it a blessing. I've they, uh, you know, I don't want to call them out-of-body or near-death experience. I just like to think of it as I face death um, three times in my life. And they were a blessing to me because, um, you know, and I shared about them here many times. Uh, the first one, you know, I had gotten to the point where I had the last rites. And um, the second time was when I had two heart attacks 
uh, when the ambulance going to the hospital. And the third one was when I was diagnosed with a fatal illness and told, told I had less than a year to live. So what I think um, sustained me, to, you know, the first time was the most powerful because I recognized that the body couldn't save me. So in that moment when, the, when I saw no value in the body, um, I just gave up. Literally, I just gave up to God whatever was going to happen. And, and the instant I did that, came, it was like something else clicked in. I, something, uh, a something else I'd never experienced before. But it was um, just a feeling of total love and peace, and it was okay if I stayed, and it was okay if I left. Um, and of course, I don't ever remember making the decision to stay, but apparently I did. And um, and the second time, you know, remembering that experience and so many other experiences between that time and when I had the heart attack, um, I was in the ambulance when it happened. And again, you know, I just recognized the body's inability to save me. So. I gave that up to God. And, when, and, it, and it was like a surrender all three times. I just surrendered, which meant that um, I didn't think about it. Um, you know, God gave me some really good words. <laughs> he said, don't make it real. Don't make it real. And the way I don't make it real is I, I, I abandon the thinking mind. I abandon um, understanding, I abandoned struggle, I abandoned effort, I abandoned everything of the intellect, and I just surrendered to God. And that is when the peace came to me. And, you know, the third time, you know, when I had that illness, it was, you know, don't make it real. Don't make it real. Don't make it real by engaging the thought that you have a terminal illness. Don't make it real by trying to fix anything or figure anything out. It's a, it was a total abandonment of the thinking mind and a surrender into God, which got everything up to him. And when I was able to do that, I was in perfect peace. And the, <laughs> the fatal illness never became real. And it baffled the doctors when the MRI showed the condition reversing itself. Um, so I've been blessed by these things. So I have, you know, I, I, I hope my final demise isn't painful but, but, uh, but to the body. But other than that, um, I trust God. I trust God for everything. Even, the, you know, even when I get my back pain. I just keep my mind focused on God and not on the pain. I bring all my awareness to the present moment and I drown it in truth. I don't let an idle thought enter. And of course the pain dissipates and disappears because I'm not feeding it, I'm not making it real. And, and um, don't make it real <laughs> has become like the flashing red light in my mind, you know. Danger, Mr. Robinson. Don't make it real. <laughs> so anyhow, I just wanted to share that. Thank you so much for listening. That's Thank so you, good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you.
<clears throat> I'm putting that note up. Wow. Don't make it real. <laughs> Thank you. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Lana. And, and thank you, oh. Charles. This is Steve. I love those shares. And I'm guided in this moment to <clears throat> stick with this present moment. And I know that life changes out here and it's constantly the world of form is in constant transition and comes and goes and changes. But I'm aware of a constancy that Charles was talking about and I think Lana was talking about when you surrender. There is something that has not changed since I looked in the mirror for the first time and saw a different younger face, now it's an older, but the one that was looking out has not changed. It has accompanied me. Now, as far as what happens, I've never been here in this place that I can recall without my body. Since 1949, I've been here. So I, I'm instructed to stay with what I experience. And I have always been aware of that I am, the, the, the one inside that, that, that notices, which hasn't changed. That whatever happens or doesn't happen after this body and mind, I don't put limitations on this body either or this body-mind-spirit combination, whatever. I don't put limitations on this experience of, of me now with the body. And that is what I can know. This is what I'm told to embrace, is to never let go of that, of that one that is always with me. My pace scale does not give me information before 1949 and I haven't walked through the other side of that life yet. So it is my instructions to be here now with this unchanging part, viewing the world. And it's amazing, this world of form. And I don't limit it. Thank you, and I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Steve. Yay, Steve. I love what you just said, Steve. It's amazing this world of form, and I won't limit it, or I don't limit it. And that is simply to appreciate and love it and let go of all judgment of it. I'm complete. 
And a little footnote, a little footnote to what I was saying. This, this moment is divine. This moment has the fulfillment. It is here and now where the love is. It is here and now where the fulfillment is. This is here and now where the bliss is. And it's, call it happiness, call it connection. And so when I hear people talking about uh, getting some other place or having an experience before or after this, I go, everybody has access to this now. This is the sharing of this now present divine life to be accessed here, accessed now. And so to make it somewhere else or some other time is is a distraction. So I'm here to remind us, me, I'm, I'm reminded. What do you know, Steve? Stick with what you know. Stick with your experience. Seize this moment. I'm complete. Oh, Steve, that was so powerful. Thank you, and thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Sandra. Oops, sorry. When Sandra, when you said um, just embracing it with love, you know that's that's where the secret is because love is healing. You know, if we love it, even if it's rape or murder or whatever it is. Those thoughts and and Steve and the present moment here and now is like mission control for me. It's where, you know, I don't time travel. My thinking mind doesn't go into the past. It doesn't go into the future. It's planted firmly in now because that's where I ask for forgiveness. That's where all my healing is. That's where I have my holy instance. That's where I have holy encounters. Everything of truth in God can only be found now. And and we do it now, whether we realize it or not, because when I come when I ask for forgiveness, I'm present. I'm not thinking about the problem or the the past or the future. Um, I'm fixed in now. And um it's a miraculous place and I can bring anything unlike love to love's presence in the present moment. And have it heal, because love um, heals anything unlike itself. It's like, you know, it's such a powerful. Um, I mean, it's it's who we are, and it's what God's universe is, and there's nothing outside of it. So when I come to the present moment, that's where love meets love and remembers itself, and it's a a very holy instant in time. Or out of time. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you both. Thank you, Lana. Mm. Oh. Um, 
What does the Course describe forgiveness as? Overlooking what is not real. And what is the dream except something that is not real, but it's imagined? An illusion, something that's not real, it is imagined. Imagined in the mind, separate mind, a mind separated from God, who thinks it's real. And, you know, the, the ego's problem was in separating itself, the mind split and separated itself from God and said, how am I going to work out this problem? I'm going to dream up a body in a world because they can't have the world without the body or the body without the world. And then I'm going to hide the secret in the mind so that all the guilt for severing my conscious cosmic connection with my creator, I'm, gonna, I'm going to sever it and keep it hidden in the mind and have a body that looks outside of me instead of inside and seeks outside of me instead of inside for the truth. Seeking endlessly for the truth in a world outside of me. And until the, the ego, and, and it's totally cannibalistic, we can't breathe without killing organisms. Our houses are built by killing trees. The whole planet is a, and, 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 and everything in it survives by being murderous. And what is not love is hate or murderous. And in order to look at the totality of the egoic thought system, you can't exclude any of it. There's no hierarchy of illusions. We can't pick out some and say, well, this is pretty, this is good. You know, this, look, this, this looks really ugly. I don't think this, this belongs here, but I'll just overlook this and forgive it. The, the, the projection of it is within our own minds. And for me, until I've known I've seen the face of Christ, that I no longer see any evil in any of it, sit down and watch the news and all the horrors of the wars and the, the rapes and the killings. There, there's no hierarchy of illusions in any of that, the slightest twinge of a frown to me in disturbing my peace is a sign that I need a correction in my perception, that I have looked on something with an unforgiving mind, a judgmental mind. So if somebody doesn't talk nice to me and I get irritated, that's the same as a murderous rage. There's no hierarchy of illusions. So I feel like I really, you know, I'm taking every word in this course seriously. I'm not cherry-picking out what I like and um, leaving what, I, what it isn't working. It doesn't work to wake me up. Because there's forgiveness and there's a happy dream. And then there's a constant state, and it speaks of this in the levels of trust, as a measure of our true <coughs> awakening process, that I trust everything, absolutely everything, is as perfect in God's eyes as it is in my own. 
that I don't judge or I'm not disturbed by anything. Not by anything. Well, I'm late. I can't find a parking space. You know, that's where the the rubber meets the road. And it's, you know, just to, what is it? Somebody calls them band-aids, spiritual band-aids, to say, oh, I love Christ, I love God. It's like, I don't even know what love means. What does the love of God mean? What is the peace of God? Do I really mean that when I say that I want the peace of God? Or am I just saying it? Am I, do I know what the peace of God is? Or do I have one holy instant in, you know, 10 years? Why am I still doing the lessons over and over and over? The, the reality with the capital R, there's no compromising but what, what we call reality here. And it just says it just right here in, this, in these two pages. So to make the dream real... And to make my body real and my experience of myself is just going on with the, with the dream and going on with the false, mistaken self-appraisal of myself and of, of what I think I'd like reality to be. I'm choosing. I'm not asking God what is your reality of me because I don't know it and I'm afraid. The fear of death is the loss of the... It's just the fear of the loss of the illusion of it all, that I'm a person and a body. And it's, it's the fear of losing that sense of myself, that I'm going to disappear. Judy doesn't exist. This is what Christ is teaching us. You don't exist. You don't, you, you're imagine, an imagination. <laughs> you're an image in your, of your own making. You were not created this way. How you were created needs to be revealed. Okay, God, I'm listening. I want to know the magnitude, the absolute grandeur and magnitude of what it feels like to be one with my source. And I'm not going to pull any, um, I don't know. I'm just more of the same. You know me. You guys know me. But the... um, that this is a murderous, insane planet, <laughs> the insane asylum of the universe, <laughs> and it's a dream of insanity. But um, to see the face of Christ, everything is without any evil. You know, His love behind all forms. That forms are deception, beyond all perception. To go beyond perception. There's no more seeing through the body's eyes. There's no more body. I've talked long enough. And um, this is just bigger than our imagination, bigger than what we can think, what we can perceive. That's all, folks. Thank you for giving me a place to share. Thank you, Judy. Thanks. Very enjoyable. Thank you, Judy. I know when you share, Judy, there's a great love in my heart for your sharing. And I really deeply appreciate it. So thank you.
Good morning, Mr. Harrison. Um, I think one of the things that I have in avoided thinking about a lot is death. Um, in um, our lives in uh, this world, um, death is inevitable, and uh, we spend a lot of time, money, effort, um, trying to avoid that. And we even avoid talking about it if we can. Um, and it is viewed universally as the end of life. And the force comes along, and in chapter three, it says, there is no death. But there is a belief in death. Jesus talks about our strange devotion to death. And he says that what seems to be fearful of death is really its attraction. And he starts out in what is death by saying, death is the central dream from which all illusions stems. Is it not madness to think of life as being born, aging, losing vitality, and dying in the end? Isn't that the way we think of life? That's exactly the way we think of life. Born, aging, losing vitality, and dying in the end. It's the one fixed, unchangeable belief of the world that all things in it are born only to die. That's the way of nature. All things must die. And I think the tragedy of that belief is that we 
attribute that cycle to God, that that's the will of God, that that is the will of God. And all the things that lead up to death, things that happen to the body, is the will of God. And one would ask, with a loving, kind, gentle creator, wish that for his creations. And as he says here, no one asks if a benign creator could will this. So, how is he instructing us to view death? He says, death is the symbol of the fear of God. The reality of death is firmly rooted in the belief that God's Son is a body. And if God created bodies, that would indeed be real. But God would not be loving. In Lesson 136, he says that sickness is a defense against the truth. Death is a defense against the truth. And it's the last to be overcome. Without the idea of death, there is no world. Think about that. Without the idea of death, there is no world. All dreams will end with this one. It's the end of all illusions. Because in death are all illusions born. If you think about the centrality of death in nature and in human life, the idea that we could kill people to attain something. The idea that if we kill someone, they no longer exist. It's so central to our experience as bodies. 
but he tells us that as teachers of God, our one assignment could be stated thus, except no compromise in which death plays a part. Don't believe in cruelty. Don't let attack conceal the truth from you. What seems to die has but been misperceived and carried to illusion. What is the end of death? Nothing but this. The realization that the Son of God is just is now and forever. Says nothing about the Son of God being a murderer, a rapist, a child molester. The realization that the Son of God is guiltless and now and forever. So if I want to see the end of death, to realize the end of death, then I must realize that the Son of God is guiltless now and forever. He never separated from God. He never became a body. He never created the world we see. And I realized that about the Son of God. Then that will mean the end of that. That's all in our minds, brothers and sisters. I'm complete. That was very complete. Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. So clear. Thank you. Thank you, dear brother. Appreciate that. I hope I'm not bogarting this call, but I want to share something. A rabbi on this airplane trip of mine once he was a black and white dress guy, and I somehow we got to talking, and he, he planted in me the possibility that history and yesterday, God can make a history. And we, I think we were talking about, like, you know, the Bible and times, and it's only this many years old. He said, well, why can't God put into our minds right now uh, 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 the invention of a history? So just to put that on the shelf, that, okay, that's possible. But I don't really, that's more like mental, yeah, okay, that's philosophy, that the past doesn't exist except created by God in this moment right now. So it never really, there is no past. But what I tend to do is I'm, I'm more scientific and more practical. And here's my perspective that I want to share, is that this morning I realized, because I've been watching this thing called Our Universe by Morgan Freeman, 
And I realized, along with some other readings, they say that the Big Bang, the big, all of existence started at 13.8 billion years ago. I thought about 13.8 billion years ago is incomprehensible. And the size of space, we're talking about how 186,000 miles per second is one light year, and we're talking about billions of light years away is how big this universe is. And nowhere, so we've got this huge amount of time, which is incomprehensible, and then everything that's going on in space beyond Pluto and, and other galaxies, and here I am born maybe 120 years I'll die. I don't know. That's not in my pay scale. But I'm thinking how short of a time this life in this skin body is compared to the time since time began and thinking about my body and all the vastness of space. What an opportunity in this brief moment in time that can't even be measured in a millionth of a blink of an eye. But here we are talking to one another, and the only practical thing that I'm getting is to make every breath grateful for this experience. So the perspective I'm trying to say is how short this life is and how wonderful I can get in this moment compared to everything that's going on. The perspective of coming into this life, quickly leaving it, so I'm going to make the most of it. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. That was a great declaration. Thank you. Yeah, I like that one. Thank you, Steve. It just seems kind of sad. I'm confused. Sad is assuming something we don't know. I'm complete. I don't know how this fits into all this, but there's sometimes when I wake up, I want to go back to sleep and finish my dream. There's sometimes when I wake up and I just don't want to go back to sleep to finish my dream. I don't know how that all fits in. But Ah, <laughs> uh, dear. Do we really uh, long for our dreams or do we forget them quite easily? So, however that may be, I just thought I'd share that. Thank you. The course says clearly that the mind that we dream with, that we imagine ourselves and and the world as we would have it when, when we're asleep, it's the same mind which dreams that it is, it is awake and, and tries to control reality. 
in what appears to be the waking dream. So to wake up to the truth of who we are, that we are ideas and spirit, that we are not bodies, but we are spirit, formless ideas in the mind of God, that we are consciousness, awareness itself, the same awareness that God is aware of of everything. We are that same awareness in our minds. If we can expand the totality of our reality to, to to the scope and breadth and width and depth of his awareness of what his creation is, that we are the totality of that creation and we are not limited to our limited perception of it through the eyes of a, of a, a separate self and that our hearts are big enough to know the perfect love that holds and moves and knows the totality of creation, that his perfect love is, that we are a part of that perfect love, that's, that's our potential to know ourselves, not to see ourselves with our body's eyes, but to know ourselves with the mind of God. It's a huge, huge difference. And to rest in the stillness, the huge, quiet stillness, when we meditate and we're quiet and we're still and we know and we're at peace with the world and everything in it, and recognize everything is is all right, it's all as it should be. The way Laura's lo- love, lovely opening by Julian Norwich states so clearly that to know God is to know myself. To know God's mind is to know my mind. And for this, this I pray, amen. Thank you. Thank Amen. you. Thank you. Mm. Thank you, Judy. Uh, this is Lemoyne. Um, I'm tempted to go back to. Uh, all right, now I'll just <laughs> do an earlier section and pick up <laughs> pick up a sword that uh, really should only be used to cut illusion. I think I'll look forward, though, into the, beyond the death into the resurrection and bring this from course of love. Because I think it states what he's getting at in section in declarative sentences in modern English. You are each called to return to your virgin state to a state unaltered by the separation, a state in which what is begotten is begotten through union with God. It is from this unaltered state that you are free to resurrect as I, Jesus, resurrected. It is through the Blessed Virgin Mary's resurrection in form that the new pattern of life is revealed. The new pattern of life is the ability to resurrect in form, the ability to resurrect in life, the ability to resurrect now. Thus is the glory that is yours 
return to you in life rather than in death. Which would seem to be the point of all that glory. <laughs> anyway, I'm complete. That was just great. Lemoyne, thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Lemoyne. Thank you. Thanks, Lemoyne. I just want to comment on Harrison's share, um, the attraction, the fear of death, the ego's fear of death, and, and the attraction for it at the same time. That to die, the way uh, Lana spoke of it, facing death and and recognizing it wasn't an end in reality, and recognizing the truth of that. It's just merely the death of the false sense of separated self within a body that. Um, the illusion is revealed when we look at it squarely, squarely without fear, to face love without fear, the resistance being um, to face love without fear. That is the fear of God. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. I just want to announce I'm listening. It's Chris. Oh, good morning, Chris. Chris. Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And uh, I can't help but be overwhelmed with gratitude for the gorgeous culmination of um, this Course in Miracles and our final lessons. Mind is, mind is so busy, isn't it? Busy, busy, busy. I sure love these last lessons. This holy instant what I give to you. That's like offering my my open empty space and my open welcoming heart for truth to return to me. The, the thing I love about the holy instant, holy spirit, holy relationship and all the means that God gives us to realize the truth of his love is that they're always, always present when my mind goes still. And this this whole Course in Miracles is that invitation to stillness where I offer my open, empty mind and wet and welcoming heart to truth. And God never, ever resists that invitation. The thing about holy instant and, and atonement and what 
ego can't possibly understand about God is that when he gives everything, he gives it all at once. <laughs> and that, my definition, is the holy instant. That instant out of time. That instant out of time where God can give himself. Where I open my heart mind to the presence and action of God. He never, ever resists that invitation. And by giving everything all at once, um, I'm reminded that truth is truth is whole. There are no separate parts in truth. And to know any one, any part of it, he says, to know any part of truth is to know all of it. Ego can't possibly understand that. But this whole um, adventure, you might say, is like a game of God playing hide-and-seek with himself. And, and we're talking about uh, cause and effect here. You know, he says, you who, who are part of first cause are really one with it. And beyond first cause, there is no other cause. That's like saying uh, the parable. Jesus taught himself, I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me as I remain in you. That's an invitation to truth. God is the vine grower, the source of all of Godness. And when I allow my mind to remain part of the vine, my life bears fruit. That's like saying the soul knows, loves, and creates. Uh, and divine abstraction takes joy in application. He says, the only difference between me and you right now is that I am a potential in you. And where every illusion falls away, all ideas of differences in condemnation, blame, guilt, sin, suffering, when they all fall away, it's exactly like he says in the resurrection, paragraph 5, love looks upon itself. Love looks upon itself. He said, if I intervened between your thoughts and their results, I would be intervening with the most powerful device God ever created for the knowing of truth. This adventure, this journey, this walk, however you say, um, becomes a, a field of play where we can experience God, right here, right now, with you, and with you, and with you, and with you. That's why he says atonement is a lesson in sharing. Every time I share, allow to share, allow the truth to radiate from me, it radiates outwards and embraces. The word envelops was in our reading today. 
God is the doer of everything, and everything that needs to be done has already been done. This walk, this walk is a walk of exposure. And every time an illusion falls away, more truth is exposed. And to know any part of it is to know all of it. Finally, when all of my illusions are brought to truth, he says, I was a man who remembered the soul and its knowledge from the bottom up, not from the top down. We can't, we can't correct our own minds. We need, as he says in the resurrection, we need to bring illusion to truth. That's our only need. Our function, our purpose, the whole reason we are here is to forgive illusions. Forgiveness itself is an illusion because when I allow forgiveness to show me the truth by declaring I want that, that's the only thing I want. I give up my false ideas because I don't know. Truth flows in. It always does. That's why this last lesson is so precious to me. And why um and, and why every day becomes a day begun with open mind and heart. Truth is all of truth is there. And the the I hate to say end because there is no end. You know, the idea of an end is is as false as every other idea that ego mind can conceive. It's a belief, and and we're unaware. We're total. It's not like it, it's not like we carry in our in our pockets a list of beliefs that that. Uh, together form our world. We don't. It's not like that. If I had a shopping list of my illusions, and I could check them off and let them go, it's not like that. Life gives me that. Life is teacher. Isn't that beautiful? Life is teacher. And when I learn these lessons by letting illusions go, I discover the truth that the soul is in a state of grace forever my only reality is my soul and this soul is shared with the sonship in a state of grace forever that's all contained within the mind of God I've been dreaming a dream I've been doing that did you drop well they're, they're not, if that's true you're not going to get an answer but I think from Lori anyway I think you're right she dropped 
or called. They're called. Well, I fell off. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, you know what? I'm going to wrap it up just exactly like I was directed. From the Principles of Miracles. He says, the purpose of the atonement is to restore everything to you, or rather to restore it to your awareness. You were given everything when you were created just as everyone was. When you have been restored to the recognition of your original state, thank you for that, Lemoyne, you naturally become part of the atonement yourself. As you share my inability to tolerate lack of love in yourself and others, you join the Holy Crusade to correct it. What happens to perceptions if there are no judgments and there is nothing but perfect equality? Thank you for that, Sandra. Perception becomes impossible. Truth can only be known and all of it is equally true. And knowing any part of it is to know all of it. Only perception involves partial awareness. Knowledge transcends all the laws which govern perception because partial knowledge is impossible. It is all one and has no separate parts. You who are really one with it need but know yourself and your knowledge is complete. To know God's miracle is to know Him. And so we have a holy purpose here. We have a task, a job, a thing to do, a thing that only we can do. This constant purpose of forgiveness in Tao's events with stable meaning. But it must accord one meaning to them all. If they're different meanings, it must be they reflect different purposes. Nothing but confusion would result a common purpose, just like he says in paragraph three of our final lessons. A common purpose is the only means whereby perceptions can be stabilized. And what interpretation given to the world and all experiences here. In this shared purpose, in this shared purpose is one judgment shared by everyone and everything you see. You do not have to judge. For you have learned one meaning has been given everything and you are glad to see it everywhere. Love looks upon itself. It cannot change because you would perceive it everywhere unchanged by circumstance. And so you offer it. You offer it to all events and let them offer you stability. All things have but one purpose which you share with the world. Single purpose is the end of all ideas of sacrifice. We have a unified goal and our agreement with truth makes interpretation stabilize and last. All of it's given, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Instant, the Atonement, the Holy Relationship. And when I use the means that God has given me for truth, I'm delivered finally to the knowledge of the soul. Amen.
thank you everybody for um, the way we help each other every morning. I'm so grateful for the opportunity we accord each other for truth. And with that, I'll end this recording, but we don't end this call. So, thank you.